Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. first book is called The Cure. It's by John Lynch and a couple other writers that he works with. And the second book is also by John Lynch and it's called On My Worst Day. So as a matter of fact, some of the folks here in the congregation are reading about it and posting a lot on Facebook and uh, even getting uh, teased about it because they're saying, what are you highlighting every, every sentence that's in the book? And yes, you could. So With that, what I started to realize in Ephesians 1 and how important this is and everything that's being said today and the manner in which it's being said today and the the icky sectarianism that I'm hearing. Sectarianism is when you think your view's right and everybody else is wrong. So you become, it's coming from the word sect, that you have a particular way of looking at it. And doing that and listening to the... uh, I don't know what you call it. I don't want to put a name on it. But the discussions, the theological discussions that happens in, in pop culture Christianity. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just amazed, amazed at how much this chapter speaks into it and goes beyond it. This is what I found. These two chapters are probably among all the other chapters that are written in the letters of all, this is about trust. It's quite simply put down, it is about trust. By the way, that that book, The Cure, is about trust. Trust in God. Last week I spoke about the context of trust, of understanding the great prayer that we're invited to pray and that how God always seems to answer the prayer. So I'll read the prayer to you again. He says to the church that he's praying and making mention. Uh, Wouldn't you like to have somebody like Paul go, I'm making mention of you in my prayers. Well, that sounds so little. But uh, yet he was making mention of the church in his prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places." I've prayed this prayer so often, and what I've begun to see now is this stunning thing that I don't know how, maybe it was just my own learned behavior, so there's much I'm unlearning right now, and I want to invite you into that place, but I began to see that what Paul was writing about is that God was the subject. He's the subject matter of what Paul is writing about, and that we, the church, are the object. And somehow in how I learned or how I did Christianity before, 
that was always got reversed to me. I always pictured myself as I was the subject of this and God was the object that I had to pursue. That if I would do these things in my life and go really hard after them, that the object God would be found. Truth be told, this is about God coming after you. The very song that we sang. This is about Paul saying to you, do you understand that God's whole purpose was to reveal himself to you? So if you pray a prayer, guess what God will do? His purpose. That he purposed in himself, it says in Ephesians 1. He purposed within his being. He is the subject matter, not the object. Now, is it wrong to pursue God in that way? No, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to pursue God. But here's here's the thing that's most stunning. Right where you're at, right now, if you read Ephesians and change the subject and object to the way it's really written, you will come to a full realization that Jesus Christ is after you. Here's what's a little bit uncomfortable. We like a God who's manageable. We like a God who can fit, even in our, I I appreciate what Michael said about theology and about me, thank you. But you see, God's bigger than my theology. If he's not, he's not God. Now, does that throw you? Trying to get eye contact here. God is beyond. And it is when his good pleasure that he reveals things of himself to us. And it's not about our knowledge of him. This is really about our knowing him. And there's a big difference. There's nothing wrong with knowledge, knowledge of God. And I'm amazed at how good some people are at at having a knowledge of the scripture. And I I was given this weakness in like, I really know the Bible well. So that's not a brag. I'm just telling you through the years of reading it over and over and studying and teaching and teaching and teaching on a daily basis. So I know the Bible real well. I can't remember addresses at all. I have memorized tons of scriptures and I can't get addresses. And I think it's a good thorn in my flesh so I didn't get arrogant with the whole thing and get puffed up with knowledge. I hear a scripture and I go, yeah, that's probably like maybe Ephesians or Galatians or something like that. I know it's in the Bible. (laughs) And I think it's incredible that us seeing anything any understanding that you got from God, guess what? It wasn't about your understanding. It was about God revealing it to you. It was about God going, I'm coming after you again, buddy, and you can't manage me, and I'm coming after you in such a way that it is just going to shake you right down to your toes and bless you right down to your toes. Sometimes scare you right down to your toes. And he likes doing it. I like one of John, we sang sang one of his songs this morning, but I like one of John Mark McMillan's song that says this. He says, just like Napoleon, 
you keep coming on. You know, if you know anything about the Napoleonic Wars, he just kept going and going. He just kept taking over every city. I love that. By the way, that song title is Bloody Revolution. And God just keeps coming on after us over and over and over again. And I absolutely love it. In looking at God and understanding that this is written with him as the subject and us as the object, I want you to hear this prayer differently. Because this is what Paul prayed, that you may know. And it's funny, the word know here doesn't have to do, again, with knowledge. It has to do with a revelation inside of your understanding. So, know and knowing are two different things. Matter of fact, this know is more related to the idea of intimacy like Adam and Eve had, if you understand your biblical language. And Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived. That kind of knowing is what this word is related to. It's a relational knowing. It's a deep intimacy knowing. It's a, it's a, a pulling it into there. So, that you may know. That's Paul's prayer, right? If you look at this, that you may know. Know what? Three things. It says this in verse 18. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now here's the subject-object thing. When I used to read that, I used to read that I might know the calling that God has given unto my life. Is that how you were taught that? Change the subject and object. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Personal, possessive, pronoun. God has a calling. And he wants to give you an understanding and a knowing of that. You see how different it makes it? How differently it reads? Um... I don't know how many destiny teachings you've heard over the past however long you've been a believer, whether it's two months, two years, 20 years. I must have heard, I don't know, for some of us that have been involved with the charismatic, prophetic, prayer, whatever movement we were involved in, uh, I must have heard, I don't know, 50 teachings on destiny. Did you, how many of you relate to this? You've You've heard so many teachings on destiny and all of your personalized destiny and all this. And this was always used, that there's a hope of a calling that you have. Do you know this is about God's calling? Paul says, pray this, that you might know what is the hope of his calling. What was his calling? What is his calling? There we go. To redeem. And it's said in a lot of different ways. I'll read you a couple verses. Thank you, Sam. Colossians 1. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile, that's another word for redeemed, all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, 
having made peace through the blood of his cross. Then it goes on to say, And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. His calling, now I'm going to put this in simple terms, was to rescue you and I and to present him to his, in himself, in his father, you, holy and blameless. Is that not stunning? Do you understand the hope of his calling that when he looks at you, he goes, ah, I'm going to present him to God. Second Corinthians puts it this way. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. His destiny is you and I. His purpose is you and I. His calling is you and I. That we get reconciled so we can be a part of reconciliation. Isn't this stunning? I just, I've just gone, what? There's no, bo- there's no, what's Lloyd's destiny? We need to say, what's Jesus' destiny? Then you can go, the object, Lloyd. I'm just one big bundle of potentiality. truth of the matter is a very serious and you go I have been rescued and I've been presented blameless in Christ to God the Father <sighs> that's breathtaking but you don't know what I did he didn't say anything about what you did he talks about what he did that what you did is putting yourself as a subject matter again he's the subject matter I did this for you to present you holy and blameless to God the Father. I'm the recipient of it. Not the subject of it. I'm the object of it. I receive it. This is stunning good news. This is mind-boggling. And we don't have a... See, when we get a revelation of it, then other people start looking at you real quirky, I, I promise you. They probably won't agree with you if you put it on Facebook. Okay, here's the second thing. That you may know, okay? Listen to it. That you may know what are the riches of the glory of his, not yours, of his inheritance in the saints. Once again, we're the object of this, not the subject of this. This isn't about you gaining an inheritance. This is about you being an inheritance. It changes everything. It really does. You, you can get... See, I kept on, oh God, I, you know what? I even did this, and there's nothing wrong with this, because actually it was how we got Hunter... But, like, back in the day, like, we're talking, like, now, let's see, 27, 
28 years ago, I got invited to the Lord, and I'm telling you, it was totally legitimate. It was, it was him invited to go on a 21-day fast to receive my inheritance. I was like, whoa, this was heavy revy back for me back then. You know what heavy revies are? Like God said something. I didn't tell anybody else. I just did a secret fast. And he gave me all kinds of other tidbits along the way. God loves doing that. He really, he said, well, I want in it, I, in receiving your inheritance, I want you to learn humility so you're not arrogant with it. And so you brag on me. And uh, you take great pride in your beard. It's like, my beard? And so I shaved my beard as part of the fasting ritual. And as I was doing it, my four-year-old son looked at me. He was watching me in the bathroom. He went, ooh, you're ugly. <laughs> Thank you, son. You know, you look just like me. Oh, seriously, it's a wonderful God job. I walked into church, and, and one of the people I know looked at me and went, <laughs> Now you know why I wear a beard. I learned many great things, and actually it was really a fast ordained by God. And by the way, I've, I've been listening to some of the other grace preachers lately and doing that stuff. Don't make fun of movements that you came out of. Don't make fun of spiritual things. Don't use sarcasm and don't attack them. That's not what I want in this house. I don't like that kind of preaching. I would tell that to them to their face if I could. Listen. Brothers and sisters who go on spiritual journeys are just as sincere as you. And they need a revelation of this just like we do. And just like people who haven't given their lives yet to Jesus. And it's funny how we can have compassion for them and try and throw stones at the older brother. The older brother is of us. As a matter of fact, if you want to make fun of yourself, totally okay. I will poke fun of me all the time and my spirituality. Don't use sarcasm and funny words and put downs. Fasting is legitimate. Never says if you fast, it says when you fast. It didn't say if you pray, it says when you pray. So that, there's Lloyd's, that one was for free. We, we love the body of Christ, and I'm not here to put anybody down. This is what I know about inheritance today and why I'm so thankful that God has been coming after me. I am God's inheritance on the earth. Me, you, you are God's inheritance on the earth and your whole life will change when you start getting a revelation of it, when you start knowing it. Because you'll, it, it will change, it will affect everything from how you read the word of God actually to your behaviors. Because then, you see, I don't know about you, but I want to put on Christ. Just like Paul admonished us. Because I'm his inheritance. If I'm his inheritance, then I want to look like him. I have inherited who? If I'm his inheritance, then he is that to me. It's reciprocal. 
He inherited me. He found me and he put himself in me. Do you know what this means? We sing the songs, but it's 2 Corinthians 6, for you are a temple of the living God. He dwells in you. Just like the land of Canaan was Israel's inheritance, you are God's land. So put it this way, you're his landing spot. He has landed in you. How do we know this? I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Have you ever felt peopleless? See, in Christ, you never have to feel that again. Because in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised. They're in Christ. That's the glory of this inheritance. I am that. I put it lots of ways. By the way, you can look at Ephesians 3.17 also, that Christ might dwell in you. The inheritance is his dwelling place. So I say it this way, and I'm not sure we all completely, I don't completely understand this, yes, but I know this. If I'm his inheritance, this is what's fun, Dan. God finds you and I, in him, completely compatible. Doesn't change. He doesn't forsake it. He doesn't cast you off. He finds you as his inheritance. That's what actually what redemption means. He purchases you back and goes, yep, that's mine. Uh, one teacher from years ago, a guy named Malcolm Smith, says that the word precious actually means this, that it's, it's like what we talk about pocket change today. Or maybe the ring of power. This is my... Pre- this is- <laughs> He's looking at you and going, ha, 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 this one's mine. I'm going to keep them right here. I have a, I have a special coin. You know, I, I don't have a coin collection, but I have one special coin that I will not sell, won't be touched, and it'll become part of my oldest son's inheritance. And that's the coin that he gave me on the day that he received his first salute, which is a military tradition. So I was the non-commissioned officer at his commissioning service that gave him his first salute, and then that officer gave me, as an inheritance, a silver dollar. Nobody will touch that silver dollar. See, that's how God feels about you being his inheritance. It's a a response from God goes, okay, now you're mine. If you can imagine yourself getting stuck in God's pocket today, he's going, nobody can touch you. Nobody can steal you away. Nobody in this world. If I'm for you, who can be against you? Death won't separate you from me. Neither will the things of this life. Pain can't separate you, and pain's hard. But nothing. You're now my inheritance. And just like Lloyd won't let that silver dollar go, God's never going to let you go. You are his inheritance.
Look at this third one. And that you may know. Now remember, this isn't knowledge. This is beyond knowledge. This is knowing inside of you. That you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. I don't know about you, but being a wonderful charismatic, I always thought this was about the stuff. Is that how you were taught? That this was about the doing the stuff? Do you know what? Give, give me some feedback. I get, get, do you under, are you following me? Signs, wonders, healing, that it's doing miracles and working miracles, and it's all done through the power. Um, I think it means something much different than that today. See, God's power and the greatness of his power towards you who believe is to you. This is God's power in your life that you are a brand new you. You are brand new. That took the power of resurrection. Not just of him laying down his life, but him coming back to life that he could put it in you. And this is stunning because you don't want to talk about anything else once you realize that. He has made you through who he is to be brand new. You are a different person. You don't have to try to be different. By the power of what he did, you are made new. Stunning. It's absolutely stunning. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, oh, thank you, my dear. He is a new creature. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is stunning. This is the most stunning revelation that can ever happen to your life. Now, it doesn't feel like that when you're grumpy to somebody you love, when you create heartache in somebody else's life. And, you know, it's, it's really funny, but as a new creation, I don't know if you go through this, it's like it happens without me. Like words start coming out of my mouth that I'm going, I know not me, it's not the new creation. Am I just wired weird? Or are you guys like, like, it almost happens like an accident. It starts to happen in slow motion. Can't believe that those are words are actually coming out of me that would hurt somebody else. And I just want to grab them while they're still in the air. Well, this is what I know. The power of God working in me, yes, is helping me grab them out of the air. But here's the thing. What is declared of me is more important than those words that came out of me. It's the power of God. And I own those words when they hurt somebody else, and I say I'm sorry, but it didn't change the fact of the power of God working in my life that declared over me new creation. This is stunning. Romans 8 puts it this way. You are not in the flesh, but in the 
spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Remember what we said about dwelling in inheritance. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's the power of God. Him being raised, him dying and being raised was so that you would have the power of righteousness working in you. It's not something I have to generate. It's not a spiritual whammy gift that falls on me suddenly because I said the words the right way. It's what God has done in my life and your life. Boom. You are new by the power of God. We just forget it. We forget how powerful that is. We forget how stunning that is. This, all of this stuff, is about God's destiny. It's about God's purpose. We've been told, find out your purpose, your destiny, your calling in Christ. And I want to say, no, change that. Find out what Christ's purpose, Christ's destiny, Christ's calling in you is. It's not about your ministry. It's about Christ's ministry in you. In Christ, it's him doing his stuff. I don't know how often I've pursued my inheritance or my thing. But you see, when it happens that way, then there's this subtle little boasting thing that comes in. It's just, it's so subtle. It comes either in the form of receiving a compliment. Yes, we all need to receive compliments. But it comes in subtle little ways that makes me the subject and him the object. And gets the eyesight of others on me and not him. So how do you do that and like don't do that weird false humility thing where you, you know, somebody gives you a compliment and then you go, no, 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 brother, it wasn't me. Glory to God, it was all him. Truth be told, it was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Was him in you. Was him fulfilling his purpose, his destiny, his calling, his inheritance, his power in you, in you and me? Just simple people that get really upset when we slam our finger in the drawer in the kitchen. And it's not dependent. Here's the glorious thing about the power. It's not dependent on how you feel. Feeling and power of God have nothing in common. We've been taught in everything in charismatic realms that it is. If you can't feel it, are you hard to receive? Do you remember those? It's nothing to do with that. The power of God works whether you feel it or not. You're new whether you feel it or not. You're his inheritance whether you feel it or not. Because if you could feel it all the time, then you would brag about it from a different perspective about how good your feeling is. So here's a new normal. This was written by, by uh, John Lynch. No, it's not either. This is written by Andrew Farley. I shouldn't skip over the John Lynch one, though. Here's new normal. 
Christian, if you believe you should be able to feel the presence and power of Jesus in your life, then you'll inevitably move on to suppose what that experience should feel like. Then you'll conclude that you must not be experiencing the presence or power of Christ very much because the expected feelings aren't there. In fact, empty or negative feelings may often be manifesting. But don't forget, your new birth in Jesus and your righteousness are a plain reality and truth, not an emotion. They're a declared truth, just like this passage in Ephesians. So what if your new birth feels like you being you? Remember, you're his inheritance, and he finds you completely you just being you. Just regular old you. And it's the power of God in you. And what if righteousness is your new everyday way? The truth is that as a child of God, you and Jesus and Jesus in you feels like new covenant normal. God's revelation of who he is changes who I am. Can you receive that? God, if you're going to pray for revelation, pray this prayer in such a way that he's the subject matter. When God reveals who he is, it changes everything about who you are. Everything. Everything about who you are. Even the down and dirty how you do stuff or how you don't do stuff. Your highs, your lows, your disappointments, your discouragements. One revelation of who he is changes all that. That's why we can't put other places and other people down because they're not getting it. You didn't get it before. I didn't get it before. Brenda and I have been stunned over this, going, why didn't I know this before? I don't know, timing of God. I'm glad I know it now. I'm glad I'm getting free now. I'm glad that at 60, almost 64, 63, we'll hang on to that one for a while, (laughs) that I get to be with you and I get to do this. That's stunning. That the power of God would be released in my life. See, this is what you have to... That way you don't boast in yourself. So in looking at all that, this is the way the wonderfulness of God and the Spirit works. So I was sent a verse this morning by somebody who loves me very much and I love him in return. And I actually added the verse above it so that it's really, listen to these two verses. It's from Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wisdom glory, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, when that's in the Old Testament, translate mercy. I am the Lord exercising mercy, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight. 
So let me tell you something about you. You are God's mercy on the earth. You're his inheritance. You're his righteousness on the earth. You're his goodness here to somebody else who simply hasn't had the same awakening that you have had. How would I treat him? How should I talk to him? What should I say to him? I think if we ask God, show us, reveal it to us, it just happens completely differently. Yes? Take Ephesians 1. Go back and reread it. Read it real slow. Ask God to show you where the subject and the object are and receive it again unto yourself that you're his very inheritance here. I believe it'll change us. I know it'll change us. Stand with me. I do this often, and, and I do it because I think there's significance with it. Would you put your hand on your heart? And repeat after me. I am the glory of his inheritance in this earth. My God loves me. He won't abandon me. He won't leave me alone. He won't forsake me. And he will release his glory in me, his power. In me, his goodness, in me, so help me God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close with a song. Well, something interesting kind of happened a second ago. Lloyd's talking about a silver dollar. My wife leans over to me and she said, last night I had a dream and there was a candy machine or like one of those little things you get a toy out of. And she picked up a quarter and put it in there and turned it and out came a silver dollar. So she had that dream last night and she didn't remember it until Lloyd was talking. And I just felt like, wow, the Lord really, really wants us to get this. We're just, you know, it's the primers and the rindles just flowing together. Um, the body of Christ it, just flowing together. I just, I love that. That's so cool. But I think that God's really pinpointing this. Like, this message was, yeah, this is right on. But really, we are His inheritance. Like, we're that silver dollar. And we think we're going to get just like a little toy out of this, this little machine. We bring our money and... No, it's, it's this exchange. And I mean, there's probably a lot more to it, but, you know, anyway, I wanted to share that.